How does we, mine sound? Your, your, your sounds good. Okay, good. I'm like I'm the uh, the AV dork in the <laughs> headphones right now. So I'm just gonna test the levels here. Um, no, this is very cool. This is like the first um, away game I've kind of had for the podcast. So okay, the good. first two I've just kind of been in my office, but it's it's yours is much more uh, well decorated than mine. It's home homely. It is very homely. Yeah, it was not when I moved in, but uh, you know Leland, my boyfriend. Yeah, I I think I know the name. I you know it's like I feel like there's so many comedians I where know. I don't. I know their name, and I might not know them if I ran into them. Yeah. But like, I think if I saw their, f- like, I just I do I feel like I know them somehow. Yeah. Well, when I moved in, he it was ver- definitely like boyscape, so I just like completely redecorated. No, I still have to finish some stuff here, but it's a work in progress. So what what around this room is your personal touch? Everything. Okay. Yeah, Barry he made the steps for the cat, but other than that everything uh i did the bookshelf oh which the cat just knocked over some stuff before you came but anyway but i feel uh, like that's what cats do they do uh because he saw me dusting so he was like oh she's trying to like, make the place look clean i'm gonna ruin it um pretty much yeah like all the bookshelves the the uh, pictures up uh how his uh games are organized all of this the only thing is that the candle lights came with the apartment and i know the people who are viewing can't see that but it's kind of cool that was his uncle's before we moved in you know i could probably take some pictures and like kind of <laughs> splash them in yeah those those are really cool this right? is like a very like very sweetly decorated place um it's very tiktoky <laughs> <laughs> i had watched a lot of tiktoks before that, that is like my wife gets a lot of like um decorating or rebranding ideas uh from tiktok so that that might be the move um all right so we we're here with katie boyle fantastic comedian fantastic person thank you first again on the road podcast here in this lovely tiktok decorated apartment (laughs) you're a person i wanted to have on for a multitude of, of different reasons just you know talking about building a career in comedy making a living in comedy you know coming from an immigrant background. I think there there's a lot to talk about there, a lot to, to pick apart. Two questions I wanted to start with, maybe one ahead of the other, is one, why comedy? And two, why America? And which of those decisions did you make first? Sure. So it was America first. Um, I had a visual arts degree in Ireland, and I was an artist, and I ran a few um, like exhibition shows, just like with college friends. And uh, I really wanted to get out of Ireland just because I was like fed up at the time, uh, even though my country is amazing before anybody attacks me. Um, but just because I had like an ex-boyfriend, I'd stopped uh, speaking to my mother a few years previous and um, my ex was still working in the same place I was working. And then my mother had started dating my boss, even though we hadn't spoke to each other in six years. So she was like dry humping him while I'd be working and we no one knew we were like related. It was a really crazy time. And then so I got my degree and then my ex started like hooking up with a girl at work, but then telling me about it. And he'd wait after work and he'd be like, you know, I was having sex with her, but I, uh, I'd i say your name by accident. So it was a really, really crazy time. So I think I just was like, I just need to like leave this country. <laughs> and no I, kidding. Holy cow. I was walking down the street after college one day because I would go to college full time and then work full time at this restaurant. And it was like a bar in a hotel and they had this like visa for sale and i just like put all my savings on it and also my cousin um a few months before when i had broken up with my boyfriend uh she brought me to new york with her it was her 21st birthday present and she was like why don't you come because you're having a hard time and when i came to new york i was like i just love this place so much so then when i i put the money on the uh visa you had to wait like up to a year because you had to wait till you could graduate i can't say that word graduate um, so the day I graduated, which was like the 23rd of November, I flew out the 24th. Oh, wow. So my flight was literally for the next day. And then I got in contact with like very distant relatives and they like helped me when I first moved here. And I just applied for internships. I got an internship at MoMA PS1. Hated it. Because I was also like kind of sensitive and didn't know how to do anything with like I did not know how to use an Excel, which I still don't to this day. But I, I thought... If, if you're not saving any space in your brain for excel i think you're doing okay well it was because the internship i got and everybody was like this is so amazing like yeah and i got like really good grades in my visual art degree uh which i know it's like how do you grade art but whatever i did great um (laughs) 
And then feel free to brag on the pod. Go it's nuts. fine. I don't do any art anymore, so it doesn't matter that I got a high GPA in it because I don't use it. You do art, you just don't paint. Yeah, it's a very well subjective, but yeah. yeah. Well, I never painted. I would do some weird art stuff, but um, I got this internship, and everybody was like, "Oh, this is so great," because uh, especially with it being like MoMA, and then um, uh, it was unpaid. It was like so many hours, and I was like trying to get a bar job, but they don't really give you a bar job unless you have New York experience, so it's really hard. So I was, I had this job that was like really terrible pay, um, and then I was interning every other second at the art job, but it wasn't really an art job. It was more like an administrative assistant type of thing. Because she would be like, the boss would be like, you need to get us a beer license. And I'm like, I don't even know what part of New York I'm in. Like, I just, you know, I yeah. don't know how to get a beer license. If you don't know the cross streets, you can't, like, navigate the New York, the New York like, liquor license yeah. bureaucracy. And she got so mad at me one day because I didn't BBC. And I was like, BBC to me is like a channel on English TV. <laughs> not not to well, actually, but it is BCC. But it, I don't oh. think... <laughs> <laughs> okay bcc but again, which i know now to use automatically but i had no idea and so i guess i'd sent out this big email list to the to everybody with everybody's email and she was so pissed but the thing is it was an internship so you're meant to teach these things not just presume i know um so it was very stressful or an excel i was meant to do these excels for like you know them trying to reimburse for what food they ate during the month or something but i didn't know how to do an excel so i just like found one in an old file and just like copied and pasted everything into an but like again it was not an internship i wasn't learning it was just free labor and i was bad at the labor so so it was really nothing to do with like oh art. God, he's drinking your water is oh, that hey, okay that's fine <laughs> all good hi <laughs> Are you thirsty? It's a very hot day when we're recording this. <laughs> I mean, he has a fountain of water and he has a bowl of water in the kitchen, but this is a very cat thing to want what you have. It's all right. Sometimes, you know, you want, it's like you want what you can't have or you want what <laughs> someone else has. Cats are not immune to mimetic desire. Because so. once you just said you could have it, he didn't drink any. So that was a great, that was a really good like parenting moment for the cat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but anyway, the... So I hate I hated it there as well. I also put on a bit of weight because I couldn't afford uh, groceries, so I was eating the bagels that they would buy for the artists. Oh man, yeah. But I was eating like eight bagels a day, so then I started to, like burst out of my pants. It I mean, that, like that, yeah, it's like welcome to New York. You, know, you got to like get used to the culture. Horrific. Um, also got bed bugs as well. It was a total nightmare. No. Yeah, I remember sleeping on the kitchen table one night. But I was living with these people who bought a bags bed off Craigslist. So like, what do you you know? It was just a very I horrible time. And then uh what's that oh creek in the cave was across the street and i started going there to watch shows okay. and then there was a show that lets you like tell a joke as an audience member so I tell a joke as an audience member and then the host was like no audience members ever tell jokes it's usually open mic comedians and he was like you should do this and i was like okay and then i started the next day and i just finished my internship like a month previous so what what year was this this was oh my god i don't know time i think i came in 2014 okay. so this would have been 2015 and i think that's correct so whatever eight years ago is eight years ago it's 2023 subtract the three minus yeah 2015 yeah you got so, it so that was it yeah I, I literally started running a show the transplant show yeah a month in because um i was like when i started like i was going to creek in the cave and doing like tree mics a night and i was literally like picking everybody's brain and like because i just come over here and not like continued in this internship and like my family were kind of like what the fuck are you doing you know going to this like basement place to all of a sudden do comedy like that was like they were just like their mind was blown so um a lot of people were like oh it's really important to get a show and i had learned so much in this internship so i i must say even though they didn't physically teach me anything like the sink or swim because we put on events every weekend. So I learned all about how to put on an event, even though I learned because I made so many mistakes and I got shouted at. But it was great then for putting on a show. And I'd already put on exhibitions in Ireland. But like, so then once I started putting on a show, I knew like, oh, I should like find out all these promotion places. I should email them. I should uh, do all this stuff. Like a all these like little things that I'd learned in college and the internship really helped to them start a show that i, I mean, like three shows straight away but that's great because like th even though the internship it wasn't like what you were expecting or like you maybe at the time you were like what the hell am i doing this feels like a disaster it's like in um did you ever see the original karate kid with I ralph macho i remember but probably but i to, definitely saw it okay but to, to a quick summary is like mr miyagi is supposed to teach daniel karate yeah. 
and he has him like paint his fence and like oh, wash his yes. windows and, yes. and all this stuff and then like he's what the hell i'm supposed to be learning karate then like he figures out it's like all the things yeah. he's been doing it's all karate moves so yeah. he was learning karate without really realizing he was learning it yeah so that sounds like what you were doing with comedy where it's like this i'm eating too many bagels i don't know what the hell excel <laughs> is i I've, i didn't bcc everybody but you get out of that and now like when it comes time to do comedy stuff and when it matters and it's something you care about you're ready to go oh yeah definitely like i do think that i'm sure that they expected to have an intern that knew these things but also for me i am really glad that it also gave me a thicker skin too because they were just like it was it really was like devil wears prada type of world nice yeah because like i remember the boss one time like kicking the elevator because it wouldn't go faster which is like just a whole level of like un unnecessary stress because it's not going to go faster if you kick it it's an inanimate object as they say in in Bruges, inanimate object. Um, I didn't I didn't see that one. That's the same one with the guys from yes, Banshees of Inisherin. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Okay. He's like smashing the phone, and his wife comes in. She's like, "It's an inanimate object," and he's like, "You're a fucking inanimate object." Anyway, never mind. <laughs> but uh, so it definitely helped a lot for sure, and it gave me a thicker skin too. And then with art college, you do weekly criticism, and it can't be good criticism for the art to mm. like help you know. Um, make the art better because people are going to have different perce perceptions so they would say like it can't be good it can't be like oh my god this is beautiful it has to be like what's wrong with it in your in your um experience so or your personal opinion so that that we could change it or we could address it and uh, so when i started doing comedy and if it didn't work i didn't really have a, like a sensitivity about it if that makes sense because i was just like oh this needs to just get better i need to change this so i feel like going to art college really helped for then like doing stand-up because you're, you're not it really breaks down that taking it personal if a joke doesn't work and uh, because you're just like oh i just need to fix it i need to change it instead of being like oh i'm not funny straight away because you're not going to be hilarious straight away no not at all it's <laughs> like it, and it takes a long time to even figure out how to sound like the way you talk yeah. with your friends you have this idea of what you're supposed to sound like or like what your persona is and it's just like even if the audience doesn't know you somehow subconsciously they can read it as false like yeah. this is not who this person is 100 percent. something that's one of the most interesting things about about stand-up mm -hmm. that like that kind of um part of it that's something i'm always saying to comedians that are like close to me and only if they ask for your advice and then i'm like are you sure mm. <laughs> but I, but i'll be like I think you should sound more like when you're chatting to me because when you ran that joke by me and you were chatting it was like hilarious but then there's something about comics sometimes where they get up and their posture straightens and then oh they like gosh. deliver it and it's like that's not as funny as oh my god like come here to me can I tell you this you know like you're getting into it and telling your like I'm not even close and yeah. like and it's also like it's the same thing as don't think about the pink elephant where yeah. it's like, all right, I'm going to go on stage and I'm not going to be rigid. I'm not going to deliver it <laughs> in a certain way. I'm going to be very casual and relaxed and talk the way I normally talk. Yeah. And then that goes worse than trying to yeah. deliver. It's such an absolute mind fuck to try and get that stuff straight. It's like for any listeners who don't do comedy who end up listening to this, it's like, um, when, when you're on a first date and you're trying not to be nervous, but then you start sweating and your words are coming out weird because you're so like, trying to be calm and collected it's just so funny it just doesn't it does the opposite nerves beget nerves um I, I think what's so interesting though about what you just said about art school specifically is like it was intentional like not uh, maybe not bad criticism but like critical mm -hmm. criticism yeah and i think that um I, I don't know well like i guess in comedy the audience can give you that kind of critical criticism but like I think sometimes people with their peers and their friends, they might like be more soft or like more, um, I don't know, because we know how hard it is and you want to kind of like keep, keep people pumped up a little bit. But I, I think there is nothing more valuable than just being told no or like kind of yeah. just taking a huge L on something that you worked hard on and care about. Yeah. Because one, you go back to it, you work on it, it makes it better. But two, if you get that criticism and you you kind of feel those negative emotions and you get upset about it but you still want to go back and work yeah. on it that that's the real um character building experience i feel like yeah and it shows you really really love it and want to do it it's like the first time you really bomb 
and you th- i think i thought in my head like i remember the worst bomb i'm sure i'd bombed loads of times before i didn't realize it was bombing you know when you're like new or young you know mm-hmm. but uh you're just excited to be doing it yeah That's you don't give a fuck you're just like yeah exactly you're just uh and i probably had like a bit of a leg up that i definitely talked really f- fast and i had a really strong accent which i've had to like tone down um and like talk slower and use y- your words because i want it to be deliberate i want them to be genuinely laughing at the right time yeah. right, right you thing. still say third and ass in the irish way which is great well, yeah it's, i want to it's, it's keep term- my yeah. accent as well but i want people to understand and not be like Chuna? and then i'm like on oh, the next joke and they're still trying to figure out because they're not the, the american audience isn't the best with context clues sometimes but because and that's totally easier for me to understand american words because we grew up watching your tv shows so it's different but um uh, i know when i started for the first six months people were just like she sounds funny you know (laughs) she literally talks yeah yeah yeah. so like i did have like a maybe more comfortable uh like starting off with stand-up but um what was that what did you say i was gonna say something to uh about it it's uh when you get criticism but you still go forward it means you like it and you know your your first real bad oh yeah i remember thinking i'm never doing this again this was not worth traveling up to do this but then i still did it you know Mm. i'm still doing it so that uh but that that was the moment where it was like no i do want to do this i'm still gonna do it but i remember thinking on stage just not worth it i know well because you're you're sitting silence on stage has a feeling Mm -hmm. you can really feel there's a weight to it yeah like it's in your chest and that that date nervousness that you're talking about um like it that really becomes manifest where you start thinking about how much time you've done Mm -hmm. how much time you have left um do i have enough material like what jokes do i have to cut because if this joke isn't if if that joke that i think is strong didn't work this one that i'm not sure about i can't even try it you know like your confidence gets swept right out from under you i also think with like the criticism thing um like when comedians give you criticism and you like it's someone you respect it's like okay you're like yes tell me help but it's with a friend who does not do comedy or a, an audience member or like a dm who have n- and it's like you literally have no idea what you're talking mm-hmm. about and that can be kind of frustrating because you're like i'm not going to take this terrible pun i remember like someone being like you should have turned this oh i was a crowd work clip um where there was an audience member from my town and it was like so random that they were in the audience in New York City. I did not know them, but we're from the exact same town and she is from the bottom of the hill. I'm from the top of the hill. And in this town... We how, how big is the hill, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, it's like a tiny little hill. But, okay. it's but that, like that's like not a far distance bottom and top of the hill then. Oh, like a, a mile up or something okay, maybe? Okay, wow. Um, but very small distance, yeah. But they ha- it was two schools and we had a rivalry and so they would call us like Hiller Scum and we would call them Farrender Scum. So it was like just crazy that, you know, so I'm like talking about that. But it's like a crowd work piece and someone put under it, oh, you should have said... And now I'm on the, I'm still on the still putting hill or, you know, because I'm still, and I was like, you guys just don't, it's okay. You don't get comedy, but it is funny when you get these like bad criticism or bad suggestions. Yeah. You just want to reply just like, boo. Yeah. 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 It's, um, it's like bad, um, suggestions really suck, but like the, the, like the negative comments and i know female comics catch way more of that than than male comics like it's it's really no matter how much you want to intellectualize it of like well if someone's type like going on instagram and they watch a video and they type in a negative comment they think it they type it they send it they're clearly unhappy like something's wrong you know you don't you don't try and take it personally but like it's hard not to let it like yeah like kind of like sit with you a little bit it's and i think for like women specifically um it's so strange because women comics were like originally like not meant to like dress nice and be kind of frumpy and now i think women comics are dressing so much like whatever way they want it if it's nice like you can see all sorts from heels on stage to just like sweatpants on stage which is really great i Mm -hmm. don't think you should ever have to fit into any character but in the end it is just comedy and then every one of my videos will have comments on my looks and it could be even like, oh, you should get bangs for your forehead. Like, I don't give a fuck. Or your arse is small. You should do squats. And I'm like, oh, you, I'm going to get up at 6 a.m. and do squats every day on top of writing fucking jokes and giving you free daily content. Mm-hmm. Fuck off. And also, like, like for you specifically, like, because of that. Yeah, yeah. and also, 
every time someone does this, they don't have a profile picture or they do. And I'm like, throwing stones, okay? Because like, you know, and I don't think anybody needs to look any certain way. Uh, but I wouldn't feel, the, I wouldn't comment, like you're not God's gift. And again, what sort of world are we living in that people will constantly comment on, on my thing being like, oh, you should like wear makeup or you should get bangs or you should um, do this. And sometimes I genuinely think they're giving great advice like, oh, you should get Invisalign. It'll really help with your teeth. And it's like, A, I like my gap, but B, this isn't a makeup page. This isn't a models page. I've never misled you. Hey, and guys, you welcome know, to my makeup tutorial slash like, comedy yeah, show. Yeah, it's like hearing, oh, if I wear a lipstick, are you going to enjoy the written joke more? Are you going to enjoy the, the story more? And if I did, let's be honest, if I were the perfect goddess to every single pers- man on the earth, then they'd be complaining that like, oh, you know, you're you're you do yourself up too much for this. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. Yeah, no, no, there's there's no winning. And you know what it is like like when people throw those those comp or not compliments, those criticisms out, it almost feels like the digital version of like hecklers like I was helping the show. Like I was trying to And they to also when they go to the real show, a lot of those people wouldn't heckle because they don't have the time to so this with the videos they're rewatching, they're sitting with it, they're commenting. In real they're workshopping life, their yeah, heckles. Yeah, in real life, it just goes and it's gone and it's done. They laugh. And that's why live is so much better because they can just enjoy it. It is. Certainly. And if I actually got bangs, every single comment would be because women who get bangs get judged because it's like, oh, wait, do, are you having a meltdown? You got like, do you know what I mean? I feel like, like women, would women judge you for getting bangs more than men? I feel like women come with like, like bangs criticism a lot. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I... I don't know, actually. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it is. Yeah, I don't know. I've never gotten by. Or a so nice I don't mix. Um, all right, so you start with um, the shows, like the transplant show and like going to the creek a lot, which like RIP the creek. Like yeah. as as tough as that place could be sometimes, just having that resource of you can do three mics in a night for free if you wanted to. Yeah. And like that kind of stuff doesn't really exist in New York anymore. Like yeah. QED kind of, but like there's nothing like that around. Um, so I believe you were working as a bartender. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like when, when did that pick up and like what, what did, you know, 2015 to right before COVID, like what is that, what does that time frame look like for you? So I bartended the whole time. I babysat a little bit as well. Um, the bartending, I, cause I was working at this job that didn't pay anything, which was nice though. Cause I met like my long-term friends all there. We all kind of had the same uh, they were all immigrants as well and we just got that job and we're kind of weren't able really to get other jobs um because we didn't have the experience or whatever and so we were we've all stayed friends since but a, an irish guy came into that job and were they all irish immigrants or they were no from all they're over? all from south america oh, okay yeah and so um we i was working one day and an irish guy came in and he was just buying food and he was like oh do you like working here and i was like no i hate it and he was like why and i was like well they like pool the tips with everybody so i can't make any money and the the shifts are short and i just i like it's just it's impossible to like me to survive and he was like oh come work for me and like if that had been an interview i would never said any of that but i didn't know he owned a bar mm-hmm. so then i went and worked for him and he they trained me up on how to like bartend in new york city so like learn all the fancy cocktails and i worked with him for a, a, a good while and then i went to another place and worked nights there just two nights uh a week while i bart or while i babysat and then i went back to the original irish guy and, and worked days in his other bar and i worked for him through the whole pandemic i i didn't stop i only took like a month off i think because yeah i was gonna say w- or like did well i guess yeah you're working through the pandemic that that's surprising or at like, least you got something going there but like yeah was it tough because uh, bartending is like a nighttime job for the most part so like trying well, to balance that with comedy but you had a good well, thing going during the day when i first was doing the two nights a week i wasn't getting weekend gigs i was only getting booked on bar shows uh during the weekdays maybe so it was okay to do like a friday and it started at seven and sometimes nine so i would kind of like would be able to do earlier shows but then once it started picking up we're getting uh, getting offered shows on the weekend that's when i switched over and went back to the other guy the original irish guy and he'd open a new bar and needed a daytime person so i just worked f- five days a week in a bar then and that was grand because you can easily make like 100 to 200 on a day shift maybe. Like really? The w- well, it depends. Like two of the days could be like 50. 
and you know like fifty dollars but then the other two days could be like a hundred you can kind of like balance it out was it like a like a lunchtime kind of yeah spot? yeah okay uh, well not really but you just get build regulars and stuff like that um and then um the and then also like sometimes they pool with the night staff as well so they would tip you out too which was really nice oh, i'm okay. sure that they didn't like it but um, it was grand. um and then grand for the day staff yeah yeah well it, but most of like the thursday the wednesday thursday and friday you'd always have like a big rush it'd be more like the monday tuesday that'd be really slow but i think the owners were like well if you have to work it you know we'll do like a system but and you would like set up and everything and um, but uh then i moved to his a place closer to me during the pandemic so i had like two months off and then oh, i went back like i went back but it was in the city and it was going in like really crazy during the pandemic mm-hmm. um and then he had a place closer to me in queens and i was living there and i stayed w- working with him up until like a uh, two months three months ago oh, okay so yeah. you, you only recently yeah because i was bartending. just doing for the last year i was just doing one shift so just a friday shift and then I, yeah, and then I was done now the last three months. What did that last day of bartending feel like? Did you know that, like, I'm done bartending for the foreseeable future? No, I didn't know because um, I didn't, like, quit. I was technically fired. Um, <laughs> and I worked with him for, like, seven years. But uh, that was, like, he, like, called me and was, like, trying to be all nice about it. Like, oh, I need to, like, sponsor this person. So I need to give them the Friday sh- And everybody wanted the Friday shift. The Friday shift was great. That daytime shift was, like, $200 um but i i also was like finally like i was majority living off comedy that friday shift i was just using more to invest in my podcast or savings so i didn't really mind the only thing i minded was that he called me three days before the shift and was like i feel so bad you've worked for us for so long and in my head i'm like are you trying to make get me to make you feel better and you couldn't even do it to my face yeah um so that was the only thing but also he did me a huge favor big time yeah but there so there but there wasn't like um the more I'm talking to comedians who do make a living with comedy, the more I, I kind of come to find out is that there's no like one great moment where it's like, I'm done working and no. fuck you guys. I'm out of here. Like Jerry Seinfeld tells the story of he used to be a waiter at like a burger place on the Upper East Side. And then he got, I mean, this is just, this is how long ago this was. This was New York in the seventies. He got a job, a weekly job hosting at the comic strip yeah. and it paid a hundred dollars so with that $100 a week, he was able to live off of that, like very cheaply, but mm-hmm. like pay rent, buy groceries on like with like 400 bucks. Yeah. And he said like he has this memory of like, you know, I uh, the next I, I got the gig. They told me I'd be doing it weekly. The next day I did my shift. I handed in my apron and then I never worked a job again in my life. That's like his I'm done. That's amazing. Working. Right. But like that, th- th- who knows? How, I mean, I'm sure it's partially true, but like most comedians don't have that story it just kind of like slowly over time yeah like i was i hated working there on fridays because friday's my busiest night for comedy so i was exhausted and then i'd have to find someone to cover if i had to like if i had a road gig or whatever so but the guilt wouldn't have let me willingly give that like i wouldn't have probably because i was like it's so handy and I i should keep it for savings so i'm really glad that they did let me go because um it's so much nicer having those extra eight hours on a Friday, mm-hmm. especially before going and like hosting two shows sometimes. Um, so for me, I was already emceeing so much and emceeing is like such good money. So that's like, whereas a lot of comedians refuse to host and they don't want to, whereas like I want to be able to live off it. And then the odd road gig, from uh, also for me, like Instagram really helped a lot, even though they've stopped paying oh yeah meta uh cut us all off but we've technically been laid off by meta comedians we have have been laid off yeah it's so true Uh, but i also do ads too sometimes so not a lot but like a couple a year and that is always a good chunk of change and then i did a commercial last year too which was like really nice money so yeah i heard those can like anchor an entire year for you yeah that that will like that will i didn't i literally didn't touch the money from that last year Wow. I still haven't touched the money from that. That's great. Yeah, it just went straight to my savings, but it's nice to have that there as like, a, okay, great. Um, you know, for even like, or even like with the shift, you know, my dad always says like, don't worry about money and money comes. So like with the getting let go, I was like, I don't want to, wor- like the only worry was that I'm investing so much in my podcast that that was kind of like the reason why I started paying more for my podcast than I'm making off it. Because I was like, well, I work the shift 
I'll just put it into that. But then I was like, I'm not going to like worry about it. And then I got offered like a man on the street thing that week that was like really good money. And then mm-hmm. I got offered to do this like advert for this I- Irish language on a language sort of app. And that was really good money. So it, I think it's like, I know it sounds crazy, but I think when you like try not to like worry about it, like doors open and things happen. I know it's like that's that um kind of manifestation, not like kind of woo woo type of stuff. I, yeah. I've. It might be all bullshit. Try to embrace, but yeah, it, but it, it might be bullshit. But it's also if it, it it's just better to think that way. So even if you're like, well, that's bullshit. It's like okay, but you don't want to be like worrying about money and. Uh, but then I know I I don't know. I also like save so much for years. Just yeah. like I mean, it, it comes and goes. Like yeah, some days you don't stress about it. Some days you do. And yeah. like it, it's also like opportunities to get more opportunities. So if you if you end yeah. up on a roll, like you kind of. Like, so if, if you have a lot of things that say something like lines up and you have a few great gigs in a row, like the things you were just talking about, um, are you able to kind of enjoy those and feel good about them? Or are you sort of worried about like, all right, well, what happens when this ends? Like, do you, are you always worried about the next thing? No, I don't. Sometimes I might be like, oh, God, like April's pretty quiet. But as soon as I think that, I go, I really need to like do life stuff. So... Like tonight, I don't have gigs, but instead of being like, oh my God, like, what well, was it bad that I don't, I'm not booked tonight? I'm like, okay, I, I really need to like upload my podcast, which I forgot to do. Um, So I don't, yeah, I, I try not to stress about it because I just found it really unhealthy before. Mm-hmm. Um, But no, I don't, I don't, uh, I just, instead of being like, okay, shit. Like, so let's say like all March was crazy for me and I'd like, February, March, I had like multiple headlining gigs and like ran off my feet with spots and then did the man in the street and was doing like video for and then April was like is a lot slower but it's like yeah I was burnt out so it's yeah and now I have the time with like I'm still doing spots and I have like an ed- headlining thing at the end of the month but it's like oh now use this time to like start focusing on like booking out the next few months whereas I just really enjoyed all February and March. I wasn't like, I definitely burned out and got really tired, but I wasn't like, oh, there's nothing in April. I was kind of like, okay, in April, I'll okay, use but, that. But you did enjoy when you oh, had a lot going yeah. on. See, that's great, yeah. And like, we were kind of talking about that before about like, you know, sometimes people who have a lot of things going on, they, they can't appreciate no, I the love gift. It. I love it. I'm so happy when I headline. That's great. And I really enjoy every moment of it. And I'm not, yeah, I don't. I, I just think we're like so lucky to get to do what we do and the fact that I'm able to like survive off it and stuff yeah I just I don't know that, no that perspective is so huge and I think rare and like yeah. yeah if I if I ever find myself in that point I just like I've always thought that like I just pray that I can hold yeah. perspective just the amount of years I've wanted like that yeah. that sort of of lifestyle because you see so many comics who are way older than me and um, doing it longer but they're like I I also have an insane ADHD manic uh, work ethic, mm-hmm. so I know, and I burn out a lot. So I do know that uh, I have things that maybe is mentally unwell, but like really helps comedy. Um, so I do have like I feel like lucky in that regard. Also, it just like makes me sick a lot too. But but yeah, so like I see other comics who are like definitely um hold themselves back a lot but then i see comics who are very successful and like bitching and they're like oh i don't i don't get booked at the cellar enough and i'm like dude you just did comedy central and i don't ever want to be like that i'm like like oh you have a netflix you did comedy central you have like multiple late nights one time a comic like i don't think you'll ever listen to this but he i hope not but whatever fuck you um (laughs) now he's like such a sweetheart but he like complained about his followers and this person literally works all of the clubs and is like a touring, very successful comedian, but was complaining because I had way more followers. But and then go, I was like, oh, you just, like if you just post, you, you just probably started growing. And when I saw the followers, I was like, oh, my God, you've loads. You're killing it. And I was trying to be like really nice and supportive because it's like, OK, yeah, I may have more followers, but I had started growing it earlier. And, you know, you're I'm getting followers to do what you're doing. You don't need to get the fault. You yeah, know like you're you, already you touring. Have, you have the end goal already. Exactly. You don't. You have the end. You don't need the means. Yeah, and then he goes, "Well, you know what? Your following equals my following. Following because you're a hot girl." I know, and I was like, "Don't ever say that to any other comic again." Yeah. And he was like totally taken aback, and I was like, "It's not true because um, I don't post any 
like pictures of myself i've started posting more like photos now but like i I never post anything revealing which if i wanted to i should be allowed but i've had like that two bikini pics or something when i was on holidays but i never post any tourist traps and again if women do that that's totally fine but i just knew that people would say say that and i didn't do it because it was like and i constantly only posted stand-up videos or tweets or jokes or whatever and i said that to him i was like that's why i and what do you want about a hot girl? I wear man's t-shirts on stage. You should see the, the comments where people are telling me to get bangs or yeah, do squats. Like. You know, yeah, so fuck off. And I was I was literally just like, that's it, it really disregards all the hard work and all like the editing the clips and the uh, the fact that I put five clips of a week or mm-hmm. more. Um, and then he, could, he then he apologized to me for like a half an hour on the way home. And so I, I truly know that he just, but it, and for him, he was just getting the Fifty other guys that I never got to call out for saying that. Yeah, he caught the brunt of it. Yeah, but well, it's like it's so frustrating because um, it's ju- it's just not. Also, as a woman in comedy, you're my. If I got a hundred k, that'd be worth um a million of your followers because I have to also prove women are funny. Yeah, I, we automatically have that women aren't funny. So you're, you're. It's not like it's people coming to a show who already know there's women on the lineup and already have you know it's like there's so much more to kind of demystify with being a woman in comedy than being a like kind of shrubby guy you know right (laughs) we've uh we've had a lot of exposure to that we'll see but what's interesting to me is that guy was complaining about oh i don't have enough followers i don't have that but like when we we did a gig last in february was it january i don't remember when it was but it was february thing yeah you me and mike albanese and like you know that with that talking in the car with you two i think was very eye-opening because i i see like oh this person has has a lot of followers her and mike and like that must open opportunities and like it must be a relief to like kind of have that going on but but you guys just had the same complaints that i have yeah but just like it it, it never really mm-hmm. goes away you know i think with the followers specifically as well because it's like Every time you get a, you get 10K, your like goal is like 10K. Yeah, I would love to not see the full number on my Instagram. That would be great. And then you get 10K and you're like, oh, I I really need 20K. And then you get 20K and you're like, okay, so now like I'm at like 46 or something. So I'm like, but I'm looking at other comics and seeing what they're doing. I'm like, oh, so 100K, that seems to be the number. So I don't know when you get to the point where you feel very secure with it, but I don't it translates sometimes and it works different for different people but if you're already touring and in at all the best clubs i, I don't think you need to worry about yeah the like following. What's, what's the point like but the following definitely helps like it's changed my career definitely yeah like for a hundred percent like i wouldn't be headlining i wouldn't have gotten emails i wouldn't have gotten a lot of the opportunities i got so i definitely think it is good but i started getting those at like 10k but uh, have you been able to kind of um like kind of catch yourself and stop that kind of like kind of rumination that you were just mentioning about like oh now now i need to get to this number like are you able to not with the social media because i do definitely still want to get to 100k so i don't know if i have the healthiest attitude with the social media um so i'm better with the comedy but not the social media i do think i'll feel better when it's 100k because i watch a lot of comedians and i watch a lot of like how they're doing the clips and i'm constantly like trying to see what works and it seems to be, to me, every time a comedian gets a 100K, they just, like, start touring. Or, and I'm, like, I'm doing ro- one-nighters, but the 100K seems to be, it just seems to open up doors more. So, I don't know. That's, like, the magic number that can pack a club for a weekend or, like, a I really think so. And doing, like, multiple shows. Or it's the number that the theater, or the theaters are, like, oh, yeah, that's, like, a really good. And then it kind of, those, every time I see a comic get at 100K, they just kind of grow so much faster or things happen so yeah i, I feel like over the years that, yeah that i've been watching that seems to be the magic number but, but what's funny wrong. is you you have over 100k on tiktok right but it's oh my like God, tiktok <sighs> yeah but it's not the same tiktok is like i feel like 100k so i've like 146k on tiktok and i think that is less than the 46k i have on instagram like less valuable you mean oh yeah just because like they don't buy tickets or it's not as like um uh it's just not as personal whereas in Instagram, if they can't find my uh, email list or my website or where I'm going to be performed, they can automatically DM me. There's more like intimacy with it. Like mm-hmm. I'm on my stories and, t- you know, talking to them. Um, it's it's easier to access, I think. They're more engaged and they come to shows. Yeah, yeah. There's like a level of separation with 
with yeah, TikTok. Yeah, TikTok is very FYP. Yeah, it's less personal. Because, like, was it, it might have been Mike in the car, that car ride we were taking, where he's like, nobody on TikTok goes to your page. They just, if you happen yeah. to pop up in their, in, in their, um, I don't know, I guess feed is like the right word there, but on their, their scroll page, whatever. Yeah. Then they'll follow you and maybe you'll come up again, but they won't like, oh, let me see what other videos this person yeah. has done. Like that's not, I guess that's not Gen Z behavior. I think it really depends too. Like TikTok is the wild, wild west. So I'm always telling comics to use it and do it. Cause you look at like the likes of like Hannah Burner. Like, yes, she already had a huge following from because originally she was doing uh, tweets of betches and then she got the reality show. So she had a following from both of those. But I watched when she started TikTok. Mm-hmm. And so I know, of course, she's going to get a, a chunk from her. But she posted true videos. A d- so even though she was going to get a chunk anyway, she still did all of the work. And she posted three videos a day. And like I've been watching her TikTok grow for the last six months. And it's now like over two million. Mm-hmm. And again, I know that she would have had like a, a following anyway. But like she also put in all this like... So, okay, let's say if you have no fans on you, but you, if you're doing three videos a week, I think with TikTok, which I don't have the energy or the mental capacity to do, you are going to grow. And those people are, if you have two million, oh, oh, of course there's going to be at least people. Uh, that's at least 100K on Instagram. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, people it, are going to come to shows. Whereas I don't think I post consistently enough. So I think everybody who followed me, when they do, you get like a chunk. Like you could post a video and get like 20,000 followers from that. But then they kind of forget about you and they're just... They're not a lot of people or just might not show up in their feed again. Yeah, because they're not in their following. A lot of people go in their FY. So I I, I don't know how you uh, consistently keep it up or you you I guess you have to be like sign up to my email list straight away. Mm. But um. Well, also it might get banned at some point by the end of the year. Like a lot of people seem to think that's like that's inevitable. But keep guns, but ban TikTok. Crazy, (laughs) crazy country. We got we got our priorities. Um, But yeah, no, I know what you mean about like like she had a a a chunk of a thing. But it's like there there's a ceiling with like just reality star. You know what I mean? Yeah, she puts in the work. It's a launching point to something else. I think she's really inspiring, and I think I'm sure older comics probably get jealous, or I'm sure some are inspired. And I'm sure some younger comics I shall listen to some inspired. But I think like that's a really good model to look at. If I had, like in fairness to her, like fair play, if I had the time and energy. But if you're just doing true face on videos a day, true jokes, I do think you grow. I do think you grow. But and I like I, a I Bethany can't. Frankel impression. That's like, like, you know, your audience, too. And like, yeah, you know what they want. Yeah, I can't do it. I, I, you know, it's it's um, you talk about like older comics being jealous or other people like. I feel like that or maybe this is just the way that I've changed over the years just that kind of attitude of like oh online it's it's not it I mean it is not the same as live stand up for sure but like you can't you can't just kind of wave that stuff off anymore it's it's a part <laughs> of the it, comedy culture it's it's not going anywhere it's I was talking to Adam Amawal about this where it's like yeah when we started comedy in the early 2010s it was the internet was like supplementary it can kind of mm-hmm. help out but now it is like it's a central part and parcel mm-hmm. part of the the industry and your your career unless you, like there's a few outliers like Ethan SP who doesn't even have yeah. an, in, an Instagram but like I know that's, play to him. but that's but he's very, in a, he's very in rare. It's a seller and yeah, he's, yeah that helps yeah yeah he's like just he seems like another person and just like i'm just going with it and yeah but then i see comics like mike Britt, who doesn't post on social media and he's one of the best comedians in the whole world Mm -hmm. like he is so i see him every weekend when i'm hosting and he just murders and he's hilarious and every time i'm like i just want to like get his tapes and cut them up for him and post them because he would be famous in a second but um, yeah, does he like want that? Like maybe maybe, it's, maybe, he maybe just he's just like really happy crushing at the clubs and making a living is is more than and enough. He tour, like he he has like he his his reputation is so good that I'm sure he goes to these clubs that already have an inbuilt audience. So maybe he exactly uh, yeah I I don't know, but he would be a star. <laughs> I know. So I, I have a friend uh, in DC like that whose name is Lafayette Wright. Uh, I think he's he's exactly the same kind of way. Just like every time I see him on stage, just levels the room yeah. but just is not interested in in posting reels and like yeah. that's what he, what he does is he um he does stand up and he also draws comic books so oh. like like a lot of his feed is just like comic books yeah. that he's working on and stuff yeah. so it's like whatever 
brings you joy, whatever makes you want to get out of bed and work on a thing in the morning. I know. Go for it. Don't don't do a thing just because yeah. you know, you you feel like you have to do it. Yeah, that's kinda like as well, you know, like these all these comics really wanted to uh the seller was passing a load of comics and everybody wanted to to get in. Um and my attitude with it is uh I'm just so happy with like New York Comedy Club and like getting and I feel comfortable to grow there. Mm-hmm. Especially on the weekends. That place is incredible. Oh well it's so amazing and I feel okay to like try a new joke and stuff like that. That I don't I don't wanna like rush to try to get something else. Um I'd rather just like keep growing and then when it happens it happens but uh, yeah there's just a very mentality in new york city that like the seller is the end goal where i just love new york comedy club and yeah. i get to meet so many amazing comedians and i can't and i can it's grow a lot of the same comics the what I, th- I think it's a lot of the same comics oh too. that are at this exactly yeah. and i get to like because i'm hosting i get to like like a lot of people shit on hosting and i'm like well firstly it's like the best it's like such good money and then secondly i get to like all these stronger Co- uh, comics that have been doing longer like have to s- talk to me because i'm uh, even if it's just for a split second if it's like oh this is what my credit or whatever but they get to know you after a while mm-hmm. and then like i've gotten to ask like so many great comics for like advice on like when i was doing my special and stuff and they were so nice and open to it so i feel like i'm really happy with that the scene and not trying to like push not trying to like like uh, i feel like i've also gotten a lot very quickly so it might seem hypocritical to say that but I I I was at the like seller party yesterday and I was I got invited as a plus one. So but looking around everybody was so nice and all that, but I was also like, I'm okay with this happening when it happens. I don't need to like I don't feel this like, oh, I should be there and what do I need to do to be there or like with a late night set, like what what do I need to do to do that? Like I'm like, Okay, I'm working, I'm like have you know, when one day if that makes sense, no, I'm trying does. to have it, that type of attitude. And also I think like if you're past at the seller now, like you talk about being in New York comedy club and feeling like you have room to experiment and feeling comfortable. Uh, even if you were to get that big brass ring, maybe it wouldn't feel you would constantly feel a need to prove yourself and then that thing that you wanted, it's not fun or it's not enjoyable and you're always yeah. kinda looking over your shoulder. Yeah, and with New York Comedy Club, it's like a home club. I never and I, I, I would fear too nearly would you have to prioritize because they're like competing clubs at the same time and stuff like that and I, I just I don't know, I just love New York Comedy Club so much. So I feel like and also with these other comedians like um they'll like bitch at me that they're not in at New York and I'm like you're doing the seller and the stand. It's it's and never good enough. Every other yeah. club. How many clubs do you want to be enough. at? That's man. also. Do you think you're like seven people? Like you can't do APM New York Comedy Club, APM Seller, and APM Stand, APM Stand Up New York. Like it's the way comics treat comedy is like insanity. I I don't want to be I, I honestly don't want to work every club because it would give me too much anxiety yeah it's like oh my god am I, I gotta get off stage in time i gotta should yeah. i take a cab should i take the subway what's faster the traffic yeah. it's like it's not it's not enjoyable um all right we're kind of winding down a little bit here one thing I, I we i noted that i wanted to talk to you about was the movie after some oh yeah um that you i mean w- you watched it recently i watched it a few weeks ago um tell me why this I, I, there's no one else I've known that's seen this. So, like, yeah. tell me why this movie had such an impact on you. I thought it was one of the best movies I ever saw. Um, because for me, I am very, like, happy in real life. And I, um, like, will always... And w- once you go outside that door, it's something I was brought up. Like, you put on, like, your friendly face, your happy face. It's really Irish, actually. Irish people are quite polite. And they talk to each other. And they're very nice. Um, and so I thought that was the first movie I saw depict depression accurately um as, and i know it's like scottish characters which are also like very gaelic and celtic culture so i feel like when i watch american movies i don't think they de- depict depression as well as that movie did it for like uh, the way irish people experience depression depression in terms of like having a because a big part of that movie is like he's out on a vacation the movie is paul mescal is depressed on vacation with his daughter yes. and like she's looking back but I, uh, the framing device of it is great where she's an adult yeah looking back and like going through videos and stuff like that it's very nostalgic the way it's shot and mm. even the the camera zooms in on certain aspects when they're talking not just on them it's like really i thought it was really well done so when you say like depicting depression though is it because there's there are those private moments in the movie like i think of the part where he's like naked on the bed and mm-hmm. sobbing um but also do you also mean that thing you were talking about where you got to put on a face because yeah, he does have to put on a face he the does whole it movie. all the time and when she looks away the camera lingers on him for a second and you see his face completely change and you see that he's not happy, like he's just putting on a front for her. 
uh, his daughter and then he, the way he's like his posture is he just looks heavy like he's weighted down by like his problems and the little things he says like oh i didn't think i'd make it to 30 never mind 40 and like making this like joke out of like you're like oh yeah he thought he would kill himself mm -hmm. and then um saying to her like you've the whole world like it just shows that he's not happy with how where his life came and then these um reckless things he does like he doesn't remember how he broke his arm he doesn't remember that he walked into the sea and so that's like he is constantly putting himself in danger because he doesn't care about his life anymore which is like him probably hoping for an accidental suicide and yeah. then his i didn't do what the universe did yeah and then his not having money um never having money and still spending it like when he bought that carpet it was 850 but she mentions a bunch of times like don't offer to pay for singing lessons you don't i know you don't have the money or whatever and then he recklessly buys this carpet that brings him i guess a slight bit of joy just yeah just for the minute and then you got to think about the reality of yeah. i just spent 850 pounds or euros that i didn't have i loved when you see her step on the carpet later which really indicates that he definitely died yeah because like she has the carpet and she's reflecting back and then the and he kept being like i just want you to have a good vacation like i think he knew he was like on the way out mm -hmm. you know i don't know if he like ends up f actually killing himself or dies recklessly or whatever um but it's oh it's i just thought it was like and the sobbing at the end is such a sob of like depressed people where it's like just like you're you can't even control it it's just like a hopeless Solve. like a wailing almost yeah 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 well the thing that really stood stood out to me about that movie it, visually i thought it was it just looked yeah. incredible like there were so many shots where i was like holy cow that that's that's wild that the director that she thought of that and put that together i love the zoom in on the when they're like together and this guy comes up and says do you want to photograph because it's set like in the i guess like early 90s late 80s maybe and it's like a vacation in turkey i thought it was closer to the early 2000s because she's like my age i think oh so then early 2000s yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're right oh she is our age yeah oh my god i just totally gave myself 10 years there no you're <laughs> right it is yeah the early 2000s yeah, that, that's also why i felt nostalgic because like yeah that reminds me of being on vacation when yeah, i was a kid when just they would do the like sing and songs mm -hmm. and there's and no stuff. there's no iphones yes it's yes. just you're you're just where you are it was so spot on to like a vacation of a kid but um, especially in like Europe and uh, I guess Turkey is Europe slash Asia slash the Middle East. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's, it's where European. <laughs> I'm people just gonna go say all of the places so I don't get in trouble for putting Turkey in the wrong in the wrong location. Um, but uh, the Polaroid. Polaroid. How do you say that word? Polaroid. Polaroid. Yeah, that when the guy takes the Polaroid and he pays for it, and they're just talking and the zoom in of the camera as the Polaroid is developing. So it's a good like minute of a zoom in and it's developing and they're like you're starting to see the dad and the daughter and the whole time the dad and the daughter is speaking but you're not the shot isn't on them. Yeah. Or the shot which I haven't seen anybody write about yet when I read read of reviews the shot of her seeing the two boys kiss. Yes. After she had just kissed a boy, she's 11. And then she sees the two boy ki boys kiss and she's uh, kind of looking at them for a really long time and I think that was her first realization that of same sex oh yeah because she has a girlfriend when she's older in the end she has a girlfriend so yeah. i think that holiday was such a significant holiday for her and her like growth as a person or as a, like an adult because it was her first kiss to a boy but then she sees two boys kissing and then later we see she's in a same-sex relationship she's mm -hmm. with a woman a and like the vacation itself there weren't a lot of big moments on the vacation but like no, but you, it, you it, need but to read into it yeah but it's like meaningful in that like oh yeah whatever's happening internally like yeah. that that that's the stuff that she carries forward with yeah. her whether it's her last vacation with her dad and th there's like that's that scene and it was in the trailer and it really killed me where she goes i don't know you ever just feel like your bones are heavy like and he kind of has this thing of like oh man Ugh. she's got it too um and yeah he was such a tragic character in that he has these you know me emotional mental problems but also it creates problems with his work situation and with money and then that feeds into like, it's like a cycle that and just he's impulsive yeah he's very and then buying that uh carpet even though he came back as well because he came back but it still was an impulsive thing and he seems to have that with his jobs he's too like, fuck, it, fuck it i'm gonna go back yeah. and do it, fuck it yeah that kind of thing and then um with her that's so interesting about that she was probably depressed too there was something else that was really significant that i was gonna say 
that they did. Oh, I can't remember. The other the thing that really stood out to me was, you know, you talk about um, impulsive decisions or destructive decisions. Yeah, he goes and walks into the ocean, but also he leaves his daughter alone and yeah. she can't get into the room. Like, like th- it's these things extend oh, just beyond him. I knew what it was going to be. I always think when someone just suddenly starts, like, getting self-help books and doing like i guess he was doing tai chi mm-hmm. or like or all of a sudden like i'm a i'm a crossfit or i'm a workout and i get it a lot of time that can be healthy but when it's like multiple things i feel like sometimes it's like a cry for no help. no you're just like um like grasping he, at straws yeah he's trying to do tai tai chi so in one way he gets drunk and he's reckless and walks into the sea but then the other way earlier that day he's up and doing tai chi he's trying to better himself he has his self-help books and it just shows that none of that is really helpful. And I think when you're truly depressed or like it can be when people are like, oh, you should ask for help and stuff. But it's like the hardest thing to ask for help for. And it's the hardest thing to communicate. You can't put it into, into words. Mm-hmm. And like that's um, man, that's something I was really thinking about last fall because I, I played football at the University of Virginia. And there were three football players who were shot there last last fall and they died. And it was like, it was so sad. And like the the thing that really messed me up when that happened, you know, the players being killed was very devastating. But like what really made me feel worse is just this gap between human emotion and like the kind of more darker parts of the human experience and our ability to communicate them via words and how much words just cannot bridge that gap so Mm -hmm. it's 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 like you feel like an adult that's almost having a a temper tantrum like a two-year-old because a two-year-old doesn't have words to express how they feel so you just it it ends up in your body you know that that's that that uh, lack of ability to communicate how you're feeling can sometimes be the hardest thing out of all of it a hundred percent and i i think most people can't help you they tend to say the wrong thing or because firstly i think Irish people will articulate that they're not doing well in a, I'm okay, but I'm not okay, but I'm okay. <laughs> and then most people will be like, okay. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, that was the cry for help. Or um, the advice can be quite bad. Like, oh, just like get on with things or whatever. Um, so yeah, I don't, I just, I don't, I just don't think people understand the like l- levels of depression or. Yeah. yeah. As in, do you find a lot of solace in like, in, art in like movies like that i know you also really love the last of us like like yeah. do, do you find that that is almost like a catharsis to like get really invested in something like that i think so because i think like you'd nearly think oh it would be like a trigger but i feel like with that movie it wasn't a trigger for me because it was more like i, I relate and i understand what he's going through but i'm on the other side of it for the most part if that makes sense because i remember being like that when i was like 19 and i'd just like me or 18 i guess when i cut off my mother um but it was like more like i relate to what he's going through but i also understand if i hadn't gone through it if that makes sense like i think there's i it's just it's such a like emptiness and like it's just so hard that i kind of get when people can't get through it mm-hmm. and i also think that you know people feel like guilty uh like friends or family or whatever but i'm i, I truly think when you get to that point they're probably if it happened there's probably nothing you could have done no there's nothing you could have said because again we're that's a song in um what's the musical uh dear evan hansen there's a song called words fail yeah that's that's kind of the whole thing and like i know i just said a few seconds ago people say the wrong thing as well that's not saying that you need to say the right thing because there probably wouldn't have been a right thing um so i just think none of us are qualified to deal with that and i think when people get to that place there's no like he, like for your man he's doing the tai chi he's doing the he has his daughter none of that could Just none of that enough. was gonna help yeah. yeah and that's to bring it all the way back around and be incredibly pretentious I, th- I think that is one of the main functions of art is just things you can't put into words if you can just feel it yeah and if you try to explain it, you would fail but you don't have to explain it because when you're watching something or listening to something or looking at something it's it um alleviates that frustration of not being able to speak it yeah and i think especially for like men too they and i think irish women are in this category of men as well because we don't really grow up talking about so irish people in general we don't talk about our feelings and we don't really learn how to articulate how we're feeling and there's a lot of like get on with things just like everything's grand and so i'm sure that american men probably relate to that as well i guess it depends really on like 
where you are because like my my boyfriend's like pretty good at like articulating his feelings of being like very sappy and sweet and crying and like that's very different to the way that I was brought up um so yeah I, I like even things that was said to me when I felt depressed or whatever like oh like nobody wants to hear that or just like get on with it so you kind of just learn to like not ask for help but I think with society as we learn to talk more and learn about emotions hopefully that will help better but also going to therapy because in therapy you can be like I don't know what this is I don't know what this feeling is but you don't feel guilty for sharing it to them because you're paying yeah and they are not there to judge they're not gonna be like looking like uncomfortable because once you start start self yeah because once you start to say like yeah like I like fantasize about killing myself but I'm not really gonna kill myself and you just see the person be like and you're like, oh, you know, like <laughs> just joking. So then now your job is you've tried to confine in something very deep and serious. But now your job is to make that person feel better because they're not qualified to deal with that. No. So, yeah, therapy is the way. One of my favorite lines ever in Curb Your Enthusiasm was Larry runs into, I think, Rob Reiner or one of the Reiners, Carl Reiner, in, in his therapist's office. And like, you still coming to this guy? It's yeah. like, yeah, it's like, what are you going to do? You can't bother your friends with this stuff. Yeah exactly like you might as well i've been writing a whole bit about it now but how like in ireland you know you, we don't talk about it and here people don't shut up about it and like yeah. sometimes i just really want to like just have a beer with my friends and i'm just like i'm not qualified and i hated that when i for years when i was here i'd always be trying to help and give advice and then something i've learned the hard way is that most of the people who are asking for advice they don't want advice they don't they want whatever they want to hear and then uh they're already probably in therapy and not taking it from the therapist like who am i to think that i could give better advice than a therapist yeah <laughs> so they're like yeah i don't know i do wish sometimes so that that seems very hypocritical to be like i just wish people would talk about the the, the weather but um i'm also saying like why don't we don't know how to talk but i i think like we'll, yes we'll go, find a middle ground eventually because yeah, it was like therapist yeah for many years it was everyone was holding everything back then everyone let everything out and then eventually yeah. the pendulum will settle nicely in the middle yes um all right katie where can people find you what tell us about your your podcast give give us all, and all the links will be in the uh Great. in the Thank youtube you. it's called a shift um so it's is uh, it called that because of your bar shift no which one time my host brought me up on stage saying she's podcast called the shift it's about serving which it's not she just made that up oh. <laughs> i think she just presumed um no the shift shift is a kiss in ireland okay so it's about dating relationships sex ed just like chats but usually around the whole like um relationship world so yeah again like i've had therapists on and talk about and a bit of mental health as well um it's on all podcast apps apps but you can also view it on my youtube which is just katie boyle comic and i'm at katie boyle comic on everything so i have all social media there we go and website katie thank you again for inviting me into your uh, thank TikTok you lovely decorated home this ah. is great and again yeah the first the first road game here it was it was phenomenal couldn't Good. have asked for a better environment amazing and uh madra wh wherever you went you're amazing i love you come back <laughs> no all right he's done all right thanks everyone bye